Did you feel the ground shake? No, I'm not referencing the latest California earthquake. Those happen all the time. I'm talking about a little project that quietly launched a couple weeks ago, which has set the new standard for digital collectibles on blockchain. And we've got the names for those held responsible. Nasty Nick, Fry and Brian, Kim Kong, Boney Joni, and Adam Bomb are just a few of the 82 now being held for questioning. If those names sound familiar, you may have grown up in the 80s and collected Garbage Pail Kids trading cards. Well, the very same cards from the Tops organization were released on the WAX blockchain, sold out in just over one day, and now have a secondary market that you won't believe. Today, we're joined by Evan Vandenberg, Director of Business Development at WAX, to discuss this launch and what it means for the future of digital collectibles. And speaking of NFTs, we also check in with Jesse Reich from the collectible trading card game Splinterlands. Now the top dap on dapradar.com, we can learn a lot about what's working in this new space. So dust off your 80s vinyl and put some moose in your hair for episode number 413 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. And hello, my friends. Welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast, the show for the crypto curious and the crypto serious, covering all things blockchain, making it easy to understand because this new world of blockchain is here and will be impacting your life. That is true, and uh, we're gonna be we're, we're gonna we're gonna make a make the uh, the world seem a little lighter today. Where this is crazy that's going on in the world as usual, maybe a little more crazy than usual. But you know what? We're gonna try to. You know, lighten things up a little bit. Whenever you were talking about Boney Joni and and Nick Nasty Nick, I was like, "Are those rioters?" <laughs> Adam Bomb. Yeah, <laughs> not have any of those. I just I can't help but think of Def Leppard every time I say that name. Love is Adam Bomb 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 Bomb. Yeah, uh, let's give a shout out to our sponsor at MobiPay, MobiPay.io. Money's been around since really the beginning of time. I think we created Fire. Oh, we have Fire. And then we created money, shells, precious metals, minted coins, fiat currency, and now, of course, cryptocurrency. And Mobi has an ecosystem that allows the easy on and off ramps for both fiat currency and cryptocurrency. Check out their new ecosystem at MobiPay.io, M-O-B-I-E Pay.io. Sign up for their beta, get $10 in free MBX tokens. Can you dig it? Wait, so we created we created fire, then we created money. Is that where like money burns a hole in your pocket come from? Because they were created around the same time? Maybe well they they like they had money first, but they needed to start the fire and so they burned the money, but they didn't know they were burning the money. Mm. Like, oh, is money. Oh. <laughs> no burn. Oh, let the og go get yeah, and, and, and Mrs. Og was like, You don't burn money. <laughs> That's Mrs. Og sounded Asian there. That was <laughs> <laughs> we better get to the feature. Here's our interview with Evan Vandenberg of Wax. Not since Crypto Kitties meowed their way onto the Ethereum blockchain have we seen so much excitement around non fungible tokens. I like to say that Crypto Kitties were the entry point, the MySpace of NFTs for the masses, but now. We have the legendary garbage pail kids that broke all records 
with a major launch here in May by selling out the entire series of collectible cards in just over a day. And with us to discuss it and talk about how this figures in with the Wax blockchain and what the future of NFTs looks like is the Director of Business Development with Wax, Mr. Evan Vandenberg, or as we like to call him, uh, Erratic Evan. I don't know, I'm trying to make up a garbage pail <laughs> Kid for you. <laughs> Pretty good. That's 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 on that's on brand. There you go. How you doing, man? Hey, doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. These are exciting times. I mean, I know that you know, Tops is like, hey, let's take a risk with this. Yeah, we'll work with you guys, but everybody there has got to be blown away and ecstatic at how quickly these cards sold out. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I'd be completely lying to your face if I said that everybody had the expectation that this was going to do, you know, the numbers that it was doing, right? So, I mean, just to recap those, so the, you know, the audience that doesn't you know, necessarily know, uh, we sold about $100,000 $100, worth of cards. That was the initial launch. Um, so, those were hard cap. They were all programmed into a smart contract. Uh, NFTs were minted for each card that was open. We sold out in, I believe it was 27 hours. Don't quote me, but roughly one day. Um, the more impressive thing though, and I think we can all on this call, uh, you know, agree on this is the secondary market activity has just been off the charts. So the hundred thousand dollars that were sold in the primary market, I think we've three or four X that already. And we're one week into it just over, we did it last Tuesday and now we're on a Wednesday. So it's been wild cards are selling for $3,000. Uh, you know, the, the funniest thing for me has been watching people put them up for sale on eBay. Uh, just given the fact that this is blockchain, there's really absolutely no reason for eBay. Just seeing that those collectors that have no clue about blockchain are clearly involved, right? And and I've got some numbers around that as well. But anyways, that's kind of my intro. It's It's been really fascinating. So I collected these back in the day when I, you know, I, I was 12 when those things came out originally, right? And so I remember collecting all those. And 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 so if you've, you, the, this first set, Right. And then all the additional sets build on to those numbers. Right. So you got 41A, oh, you got one through 41A and then one through 41B. Those who don't know, the A varieties, those those variants are about what, about one half? They're about what, about 50% as rare as the other one or what? The, so they're, they're more rare. A is more rare. And I guess there's what, about double the amount of cards for B? Is that kind of how that, that yeah, process like was? Kind of like that. It just and, and if I'm looking at, I see some of the the actual statistics of how the cards are like the the number of cards, how many are in existence now, and it it almost seems like it's been just sort of mathematical. There's no you can't really pinpoint how many are of each one yet. Well, part of it is that you know we were talking about this before he jumps on is there's so many unopened packs, uh, so we don't even know right the full extent of what could theoretically be out there. So I think right now we've still got something like 30%, maybe even more, uh, 40% of the packs haven't been unopened. Uh, that's largely driven by the fact that people are paying 20X face value for opening a pack, which is just nuts, right? And we were selling five card packs for five bucks and now I'm seeing them for sale for about a hundred dollars. Yeah. So, what? It's yeah. insane. Yeah. It's wild. There's I no crypto that you could have bought this last week that would have 20X'd. <laughs> yeah no i i doubt it uh i mean that's all your money in garbage pail kids last week <laughs> yeah i've been seeing people make that uh that comparison a little bit and yeah it's been really fun to see you know i think it's been really nice to to see the 
insane amount of community activity too. I mean, associated with this, I, I can't tell you how many telegram channels I've been pulled into and, you know, side conversation, private channels. <clears throat> this thing's been, you know, completely taken on a life of its own that I, I wish I could have told you I foresaw, but I, I, I didn't see it being this big. Yeah. And it's a limited number of people that participated. I mean, how many people got to buy packs, unique wallet addresses? It's about 1,200 unique people is what we've come down to, trying to kind of clean out for some of the people who have multiple accounts, uh, multiple known accounts. So about, yeah, a little over 1,000 people, guys. So it wasn't that many people that moved this market. It really wasn't. And how much, you know, what percentage of those people would you say were already blockchainified versus, you know, newbies who are like, wait, I can, what's a blockchain? I want the card. Yeah. So I, so I did a poll uh, yesterday, just, you know, so we'd have this data for you guys. We kind of went through, we did a poll in different channels and it looks like the numbers align to about almost exactly 50, 50. I got like 110 responses and it was like 59 and, and 61. So this was a lot of people's first experience on blockchain, uh, which for me is like the ultimate sign of success. And that's our whole kind of concept is making this convenient and easy. And I think it's, in large part due to our wallet experience, right? I mean, the log on, the sign in flow is a lot, lot more simple for an everyday user than a typical crypto wallet, right? We, we leverage social logins. We do private key management for people who don't want to manage their own private keys. There's a lot of things that, you know, things that we've been working on for months that, you know, I think this has been the first time we've seen them really come to fruition and pull people out of mainstream, we'll call it. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that, that, that people have been interested about is, how secure is this, right? Because if, if you know, people's wallets were getting hacked, that would be catastrophic. And so you have to make sure that you get that private, you know, you got to get the security set up and the private keys. Is there a way to actually take, and I've heard that some people, there are some methods like the, on, to take your cards off of this and put them on Ledger or something. Like, yeah. what is the process if somebody wants to get these cards off of the, of the, the WAX exchange? Yeah, you just pull them off. So you literally just send them to whatever wallet address you want. I mean, there's scatter, there's links, there's, all sorts of, you know, in Ledger for that matter. Um, honestly, with your gold card, that's probably what I would do. Uh, you know, the cloud wallet has been extremely safe and secure. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm with you guys. I mean, we're all, you know, kind of hardcore crypto people. And I don't do anything without putting on a hardware wallet, right? Anything of value. And so I do understand that. It's more of we needed a gateway drug to get people in the door to experience this. And then once you have something interesting and something of value to you, that's where you can start to begin to explore, you know, other options. And I think we're going to start doing just direct uh, links to other wallets where you manage your own private key. So just do kind of an import export deal um, just to make it a bit more simple. But in any case, you can easily move them off your wallet right now. Yeah. Well, I'd love to be able to move multiple at a time. Right. I think that's one of the challenges is that it, it, and even though this actually kind of comes to a question, I'll let Joel have the next couple of questions, but is there a way to make a collection of these? Cause now I have, I've completed the base set and I've completed the prison prism set, but like, how do I move them all or secure them or put them in or even sell them all as a set? Is that something that's going to be coming up as another feature? Look, I totally agree with you. Uh, somebody already built it. Uh, we didn't have to build it. Somebody built the DAP to do really? that. Yeah. So the GPK marketplace itself, GPK.market is actually has that built in. So it kind of tells you which parts of your set is missing. Yeah, yeah, that was really handy. Or which one do you have to do? That, that helps to sell them. Easily. And then there's also alternative sites where you can actually just kind of, but uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, long story short is there's there's multiple ways to do that outside the wallet. 
However, that being said, with this kind of volume and this type of success, I think in our wallet, the, we're doing a V2 uh, upgrade of our wallet here in the next couple of weeks. It's awesome. Uh, and I think one of the things we're going to do is, is we're going to do a set concept where, you know, potentially with, you know, tops, obviously, but even with other people, we're hearing, you know, um, you know, as you guys well know, we're, we're talking to people about other projects coming to the space. Everything kind of relies on the set concept and rarities. And, and maybe we're just going to have to build that type of filtering in so you can kind of select all, package them up, send them somewhere, um, make that a bit easier for the user. But yeah, uh, it's, it's a work in progress. Here's what I don't understand. I'm looking at the aftermarket. Is gpk.market a site that you guys run or it's a secondary, somebody else runs it? No, that's third party. So that wasn't even available until a day after the GPK cards launched. So here, two questions around that then. The first one is when I go to sell a card, it automatically says, okay, we're going to take 10% out. 2% is going to go to Wax, 8% is going to go to Tops, which is, by the way, in and of itself, an incredible business model. Because in the past, Tops would sell a card, they'd collect the money for it, and that's it. Any aftermarket, they miss out on it. So, but it's possible to sell. Uh, why, why does this aftermarket site have that commission figured in, I guess, is my question. Yeah, so we won't promote sites that try to circumvent the author fees. And so the, there's, the 2% isn't coming to Wax. It's going to the marketplace itself. So that's their, like, we'll call it their VIG on all the transactions. So they take okay. a 2% marketplace fee, which is pretty generally, you know, accepted uh, rate. The 8% is the author fee. So that's for the IP holder themselves. And that's something that we had to work on from a technical infrastructure level for a while. Now we're making bigger strides and moving to newer you know, NFT standards that have this a bit more fleshed out. But yeah, uh, long story short is exactly what you're saying. It's a great business model. It's part of the reason they wanted to do this is, you know, they have a, a booming digital business anyways. Like they're making a lot of money on their mobile apps and things of that nature. But this is a, a totally different beast. And, you know, looking at the fees right now, I mean, there's over $20,000 of collected fees. So post-market, right? Right. So here's what I don't understand then. So a pack of cards on uh, gpk.market is going for about 3,000 wax. But the sketch cards, uh, there's some here that are going for half that, for 1,300 wax. And the sketch cards, those are, those are the rare, right? You've got your base, your prism, then your sketch cards, which account for what percentage of all cards? Yeah, the sketch ones, let me pull it up. It's right here. Uh, sketch ones are, I mean, I know the collector's edition, there's only, there's really a small amount. I'm looking right here. It looks like a sketch A is 5% and a sketch B is 10% chance. Okay. Um, so I get, you know, so when people are buying a pack, they're really going for like an atom bomb, which is the, the highest selling card. Um, or they're going for one of the ultra rare collectors edition, which there is what fewer than a hundred of those total. Correct. Yeah. So those are going to be, yeah, again, the math to me doesn't exactly add up. I think there's just something about pack opening for these people and just the hope of something better. <laughs> you know, I, I tried to analyze this because it's certainly not a numbers game, right? I mean, the fact that atom bombs are going for five, six X, another card of the same rarity makes little to no sense to me as well. But again, that's collection, right? Like, you know, at the same, to the same point, right? A Michael Jordan card, there's other reasons as to why people collect things, right? And so I think it's been weird to watch the values of different cards 
you know, because in, in, in our minds, right. And I think in, in, in a rational mind, they are numbers, right? Like these are, that is a numbers game to some degree. And what I'm learning is that doesn't necessarily translate into how people behave. And there's more collectors mentality than, you know, I probably thought there was going to be. And I like seeing that, right. I like the fact that people actually enjoy some of these cards specifically and want them. So, yeah. Yeah. And so that then comes to my question about, so, so you, today, you literally today we're timestamping this May 20th, you guys did the drop for the golden cards. Yes. And originally we thought the thing was going to be that there's going to be one golden card for every one in the set. And then there was going to be some extras. And then they came out um, where there's four total cards and there's 25 of each cards. What was the methodology behind that? Maybe. And I, one of the questions I'm seeing right here is like, why does, why is there no Adam bomb? Why was there no nasty Nick? Why were, why were, why was rock and Robert chosen? People don't like rock and Robert. Normally that's one of the lower, lower ones. So how was, what was the methodology of doing the golden cards the way that you did them? And how did you choose the ones you chose? I would say that it was less up to us and more up to tops in that regard. Like I, I know I personally pushed for doing one of each. I really wanted to be like, there was one, right? Just one right. A, one B. Um, the value of them would have been just tremendous then. <laughs> I mean, because now there's 25 of each of them, and they're like, meh. There's, yeah, there's, I mean, there's still, more I think of these than there are the, of, the, of the other collectible ones, right? Yeah, I mean, in your, yes. So you are correct. Mathematically, it is more likely that you would have a gold card than a collector edition, you know, Kim Kong, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and, and I think to be completely transparent guys, I think part of it is just learning. I don't know that everyone had this all sorted out, uh, especially the golden card piece as much as we'd like to. Um, and I think going forward, that's something I'm personally going to be really trying to push for is I would like to keep doing the golden card stuff, right? I would like to keep doing that concept. I would like it to be 82 cards and maybe if there's 12 more, right. Or if there's some other amount of cards, we make them a one of one of some different nature. Uh, but I would like to, I'd like to get, I'd like to get down to, yeah, I, I think you're in the, your, your head is in the right space. Like I genuinely get what you're saying. And I think that would have been the right move. Um, Dude, somebody got a one of one Adam bomb. That thing would have sold for 2 million wax. <laughs> I think it seriously, it probably would have. Yeah, well, maybe. Cool. So, you know, here's my thinking is that this is series one. Like you said, 1200 people got in on it. My question for Tops, and you might have some of this data from them, is when they released the original set of cards in 1985, how many did they sell? How many atom bombs of the originals were purchased? Did they I, have any I don't of those? I the number off the top of my head. Uh, I mean, they had to be, you know, 100,000 of them, you would think. Right, I would guess more, yeah, or around that number at the very least. Uh, they were everywhere. I mean, as big as garbage, uh, the, the Cabbage Patch Kids were, these garbage pail cards were literally every grocery store, right. every gas station. And, and you know how many cards that they would print out with baseball cards, like literally millions and millions. I would say that there's probably a million atom bombs out there, if not more. Okay, so that go to the question is then, if only – like the 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 most common card that you have will probably have about a thousand copies, right? Yeah. Once all the packs are opened, your most common B variety base card will have about a thousand copies of it. 
that, yeah. does that math sound right? That's that nothing. Right. That's nothing. That no, is really like, is limited. So, yeah. So if tops and wax and the rest of the blockchain will do a good job of bringing this to the masses when series two comes out, which maybe you'll be able to give us a clue when that'll happen. Um, I would think that everybody that missed series one will be like, what? How did I miss these? And even the most common card will skyrocket. At least that's my perception. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I think so as well. Um, I definitely... I think one thing we're really trying to be sensitive of is not to just say, Hey, this was a big success. Let's make $500,000 for the cards and, you know, infinitely, you know, five X the number of cards on the next series. So we're really not going to do that. We're going to try to stick to our guns and keep it around the same number of cards. You know, I think it's, it's the right thing to do at this point. Maybe at some point in the future, we'll find a reason for bumping that up. But for right now, the plan is to stick around where we are right for uh, the time being. But, but you don't um, have to, because now, Tops is making the aftermarket eight percent. They don't if if they print if they mint print if they make too many cards, then the value of all of them goes down, which means there'll be less secondary market activity. So by keeping the number small, they're actually increasing the scarcity, and thus the demand will be there. I could not agree more. Yes, so that makes sense, right? And I think everybody wins in that scenario. Because none of us want to see a junk card error, right, on blockchain. I mean, it's easy to do. Let's be clear, right? If you wanted to make a smart contract, you could We don't want to do that. And so, we, we, and they're very much in alignment on this. Like, we understand we don't want to flood the market. This has been a good, this has been a good start. And it can certainly grow in terms of volume of cards over time. But we're not going to just flood it because we've had one, one really big win. We're going to keep that around. You know, the secondary market still keeps it interesting from a business perspective, more than interesting. And so, I think the... You, you totally make a valid point. Um, and I do think these series ones are going to actually go up. I bet you see them steady at some point, And I bet you see in three, four months from now, they go way up is my guess because people are going to want the series one first release. And it's just going to be extremely hard to come by. Yeah. That was my thought. That was my thought. That's why I was like, you know what, let me complete the set. And then I got close to completing the prism set and I was like, okay, well let me, and and so I was going on these various different markets and going in there right at first where the prices were pretty low. So I was able to create, I was able to get, you know, I think the most I spent for one was Adam bomb uh, prism where I spent 2000 wax for, which now that thing's going for 6,000 wax or 5,000 wax. Yeah. And so it's like the, the, it's been so phenomenal watching these, watching these prices and, and the amount of arbitrage that I see going on. Right. It's like you're seeing people going in here and then scooping up like I just saw some dude on uh, the simple market go in, buy a mean gene golden for uh, 21,000 wax and then go in here and trying to sell it on the GPK market for 44,000 wax. So like and I've gone through and I was like, oh, well, look, I, I I found a way to finally sort on simple market. And so I was going through it. You can actually go through and type in prism. And then we'll show you all the prism ones. And I was looking at all the ones that were undervalued based because more most of the sales seem to be going through on GPK market. So last night I was going through and, and buying a bunch of cards up so I could resell them over here in the other market. So I've I've never seen anything in the crypto market or the digital collectible market that has gone off like this. This seems to be the moment. The second, the second moment, the first moment, like as Joel said earlier, gar uh, was the crypto kitties, and now it's like 
boom, it's a whole, it seems to be a whole new era that we're going to be looking at now. I couldn't agree more. And I mean, we've talked, you know, in different conversations and you're a collector yourself, but realistically there's nothing that can't be done on this other than making some kind of physical cardboard that you can hold in your hand. And ultimately that could even come into play, right? At some point you could even tie, you know, tether a physical asset to these things, right? If you're in an ultra rare, uh, you know, collector edition card or whatever, but realistically all the properties of collectability, this is just a hyper efficient way of doing it, right? You can find buyers and sellers in seconds as opposed to having to go, you know, trust somebody on eBay or go do all these other things that, you know, historically have had either massive transaction fees and or are ridden with fraud and just are inefficient, right? You got to go to conferences, whatever it may be to find these people. So I think this is really the tip of the iceberg. This tops this first GPK release. I mean, just looking at tops, GPK is not their number one seller, right? Let's be clear in terms of volume. It's not even close. And seeing this work on such a scale with GPK gives me so much hope for other IPs on, you know, not just tops, but other massive IP holders that we're talking to about doing different collectibles, different collectibles that can be used in games. And I think that hybrid is going to be another echelon. I think that's going to be the evolution of it is these cards have utility in some sort of, you know, trading card game or, you know, it's Pokemon or whatever it may be, right? That's kind of where I see it going. Uh, the collectible stuff though is always, always interesting. And especially when there's this type of volume of sales. There's no right? utility. Yeah, no, there's no game, right? I mean, this is truly collectors collecting because they like collecting and they like to make money speculating and selling their cards, right? I mean, that is genuinely what's going on here. It's, it's just fun. So can you give us a little inside scoop on when we can expect the second series of Garbage Pail Kids? I'll give you two inside scoops. Okay. One. Here come the scoops, gang. Scoop Uh-oh. it up. Two Uh-oh. scoops. Two scoops. So scoop one, uh, June, early June is the timeline for the next drop. And scoop two is it won't be series two. It'll be a more timely uh, themed Garbage Pail Kid pack. Theme uh-huh. series two will come out later. Uh, I don't know, late June, early July. It just depends on what the timing, the right timing is. Uh, but we do intend to continue the series but I really like this timely stuff. And, you know, we spoke a bit off air about it. I don't want to give away too much, but I would say this one's going to be, it'll be gone in 10 minutes if we, if we allow it to be. Wow. Well, I, I don't know that you can. I mean, it's, it's kind of like when you think of concert tickets, right? You've got the, the scalpers that have a whole bay of computers and people that are there, you know, to buy tickets up quickly so they can resell them. And that, you know, that's not right. Um, so how do you limit what people can buy so they don't, you know, I understand free market principles, yep. but at the same time, there needs to be some sort of gatekeeper on it. So people that have a boatload of money aren't just going to be able to buy out the collection and gouge everybody else. Right. I mean, and at this rate, right, some people would be comfortable probably putting $50,000 on their credit card, buying half the packs. and you know, thinking, you know, believing in, in rightfully so they could make their money back probably. So that's not financial advice. I'm just saying. Damn, that's what I should have done last (laughs) week. Damn it. So, but to answer your initial question, right. um, What are we going to do about that? How are we going to solve for that problem? So we're working very, very closely with them on that. I think what we're going to have to do is we're going to either, it's going to be a combination of things. There's no one right solution because there's a way to gamify any one solution. So I think it'll be a purchase limit in any buy order. So anytime you're going in there, maybe it's five, 10 packs that any purchase, single purchase can make. 
uh, and then by accounts. And then also potentially we talked about uh, this concept of tranching out, you know, every 25 minutes or every 30 minutes, we release another 10,000 cards or 20,000 cards or whatever, you know, the, the uh, denomination ends up being. That way you have a time lapse and you have this kind of limiting factor of what can one person purchase with their credit card at any given time, which is a great problem to have, guys. Let's be clear. I, I you know, I'm really, I'm thrilled that we have to think through this. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it was just, that's one of the things is like, we didn't find out about it until after the mega packs were already gone. So we didn't have any opportunity to buy any of the mega packs because those were gone in seven hours. Yeah. Right? Whenever we found out about it, I think there was like maybe 3000 packs total. And so, and I was like, and, I, and then I bought a few and then I was like, Man, maybe I should buy a few more. And I was like, this is stupid. Are you serious? I'm going to buy, I'm going to spend another, I'm going to spend another $50 on these freaking cards. Are you serious? I'm like, all right, I'll buy it. And then <laughs> the, pro- I mean, spending $5 and now they're, their card, those packs are worth a hundred dollars. I mean, in your wildest dreams, like that, that, that wasn't going to happen. Like maybe I thought maybe they would be, Oh, maybe the pack would go for $10. Maybe the pack would go for $12, a hundred dollars in less than a week. That is some, that's scarcity, right? Here it is. There's only a thousand of these cards available. As Joel mentioned, there's only a thousand of them. The rare or the most common one is there's a thousand of them, right? And think of all these people out there who are collectibles that aren't going to get a chance to get any of these. That's why the price, the prices are so high. And, I, and man, you think two, three months from now, the prices could skyrocket from where they already are. That's insane. Yeah. I genuinely believe that. Um, so yeah, I, it's, it's been wild. It's been wild to see. And I think it is kind of proving out some of the stuff was a lot of the promise of NFTs, right. That we've been hearing about since crypto kitties, we just haven't seen it be delivered on in a meaningful way. Uh, in, in my opinion. Right. And I think it took, you know, doing this with tops and doing it with a known IP like GPK that people actually did collect, I think really does help. Um, that I think was a huge, huge benefit for everybody involved. You know, I, I, it wouldn't work if it was trash, right? I mean, if there was no collector, collector mentality around it and it was just somebody pumping out cards that are scarce, that doesn't work. So there is a fine balance. And I've had way too many people reach out about doing uh, like, you know, one-off packs of their favorite drawings they've made and it's just kind of like all right man you know this 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 model works until it doesn't right and so we want to make sure we're selective about you know what we're releasing at least officially from our side obviously it's an open blockchain people can do whatever the hell they Mm -hmm. want travis do you have any more packs left i have no packs left no you have no packs what but uh, evan you i got i got one i can open up on let's go uh, ahead let's do an open go ahead let me give you permission uh now for those of you that are listening in audio we're actually recording in zoom so the video of this broadcast you'll be able to find on the facebook mastermind group at crypto mastermind at badco.in forward slash mastermind and we'll also put it up on the bad crypto youtube channel and the bad crypto library channel so there they are sold out, sold out, sold out. Yeah. So he is uh, going to his inventory right now. Three packs left. Uh, no, he might have more than I that. Have more. I got five. Oh, oh nice. snap. All right. You know well, how I got these though, is I had actually given these to people. This is funny. I gave them away for different giveaways and those people rejected my trades. <laughs> oh, they, so, like, they, they rejected your so trades. So what were you trading them? Uh, in my account. So I just found these today. That's awesome. Nothing. It was a one-way right. trade. It was me giving them cards, but they just like, clearly they were getting bad trade offers and they just decided to cancel all of them. So, so for those uh, of you that don't see this, they're, they're glistening and there's motion 
to them and there's dimension there's this three-dimensional type of feel to the card and go ahead and let's open up this pack here and see let's what you open got. up a wax pack oh man here we go here big we go. Money. and it's fun because it does this cool wax animation and tops and then it shows the pack it zips the pack open and zips if you got an atom bomb Chili Millie, Potty Scotty, Mean Gene, Cindy Lopper, Prism, and a flat pack. All we got is a prism. That's what we call a flat pack right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's, was that was not a good pull. Um, that's a flat pack. Now, I'm guys, going, we're doing one more. We're going to do a live, right. right? We're doing one more. Huh? There we go. Yeah, and that, isn't that always it? it it's that. That, that was yeah. exactly it. I opened up way dopamine. too damn many. One more. Been selling them for 100 bucks a piece. All right, I know. Here we go. I, hate, I hate thinking about it like that. <laughs> Come on, booze and Bruce is all right. I'll take that. Oh, there you go, oh. TV Stevie. That's a good one. Yeah, we got TV TV Stevie uh, Prism is one of the ones I'm missing. There's three. Right, well, I got you. I got you. All right. Yes, yes, because they're like 1,200 <laughs> wax right now. That is not. Hey, why don't crazy. go ahead? Why don't we show how the trade works as long as you have it open, and I'll take that. Card. <laughs> will, while you have it open, you want you just I give will, me that TV, Steve? Yeah, which one's, which one's yours? I think I follow you. Uh, mine address. So wax addresses are kind of funny, just like other crypto addresses. It's PFKPW. Hold on one second. I think I got you in my follows. PFKPW. Which did not show up on the drop list for um, yeah, me either, man. Those who got the uh, the golden cards, but Travis what, did. We do you hit on the community? I, I always figure you hit on the community side, then you, that's where you find someone, right? Yeah, that's PFK, usually, what's your PW? There it is. That's that me. Wham. Yeah, not to be confused with Wham of the '80s that did the jitterbug. No, uh, you know what? Here, I'm just gonna. No, you got to go to community. Oh, and then oh, you I search for someone for there. Oh, PFK. Uh, say one more time for us. PW. Yeah. The next one over there next to your mouse. The other way. That's it. All right. We'll give you an offer. Yes. All right. You wanted the, the TV Stevie prism card. Now the, the hardest to come by is the atom bomb prism card. And I know for those of you who are like, what the hell are you guys talking about? This is culturally relevant stuff because in the 80s and then into the 90s, garbage pail kids were huge. And so this is a really interesting piece of nostalgia, you know, that has been recaptured by what Tops and Wax have done. And now I see on my side in the screen, um, I will accept your offer because you are graciously donating a card to the cause. And now I'm only missing like two or three prism cards. Um, now I'm going to, I'm going to equal your opening here and I'm going to go ahead and do an opening of one of my packs as well um, to make it interesting. So here is mine. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven regular packs, and I am not opening the mega pack. I'm hodling the mega pack. So which um, those, those mega packs though, they seem to have a lot more sketches and prisms in it. Wasn't it is like, Right. Guaranteed to have X amount of like at least five prisms, right? Something, yeah. I, I, yeah, the numbers I gotta I gotta look up. Uh, the percentages are higher of getting a rare card. So Travis, should I open pack one, two, three, four, five, six, or seven? Let's go five. Number five, it is. So here we go. Open it up. 
I think we need a sound effect there, right? When it opens the pack. Oh, yeah, we're, we're adding that. I, that was a miss. Damage Don, New Wave Dave, Dressy Jesse, Drippy Dan, and Nervous Rex. Oh, Not them all, but two prisms. And you know what? That'll pay for itself because I believe over time, those prisms, uh, when the collectors come later, not a not a card advisor, but I do think that um, there's going to be a demand for series one when series two and three and four in the future cards come out. Oh, that mega pack too. I mean, I wonder what that'll be worth if, you know, even just like talking about the growth of the platform on this, like I think there's something like 3000 accounts now that have touched a card, maybe more. So we're seeing that like slow growth of like the entire GTA mm. wax community. So people are getting involved every day that weren't involved the day before. And those mega packs are primo, man. Those are, those are hard to come by. You think there's going to be a tipping point where people realize, okay, look, the majority of this collectible, the, 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 the collector edition cards are gone look there's there's 50 atom bomb sketches now there's not going to be very many more of those like what's that tipping point do you think where the the supply of them are already going to be pulled based on mathematics and most of these you can tell the rest of these packs aren't going to be as valuable well to be fair every pack down to the last pack opened has the same odds that it would have had to pull any card from the get-go right that was part of the the way we designed it right we didn't it's not predetermined there's not a no. set number of cards it's no so there up. could be 16 or there could be 20 of one prison uh, of one sketch that's an a and there could be 35 of another one just because the random randomness of it it just didn't generate as many of those yeah i mean statistically speaking it would be incredibly unlikely for certain scenarios but in theory in theory yes yeah um there could be you know there could be some skews like that so we did that though intentionally, right? I mean, we didn't want the guy who got the last pack to feel like, oh, the last pack opened. Oh, well, there's no good cards left, right? right okay. And so that was part of, uh, you know, that was a long conversation. It was one we settled on this, and I'm, I'm very happy we did because like your pack now is as good as it was the second anything else was opened, right? I mean, those collectors' editions are just as likely. It's a math. Well, we did take we did take fifteen dollars and turn it into three hundred dollars, and then burn three hundred dollars right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of the game, though, right? And that's the reason people are are buying them is uh, they don't know. It's that mystery. It's that same um, sensation you had when you were a kid and you opened up these packs and you're like, you're, you and your friends are thumbing through them. Oh, I got, I got this. I, I got a stick of gum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there going to be a time, like how soon, or are you even in discussions or can you even tell us about like sports? Like, because I mean, I, some of these old baseball card sets and football card sets from tops, I mean, it would just be amazing if they could release some of those. Are you guys in discussions around any of that? And is there any timeline on that or anything you can share? I, I can definitely tell you discussions have been more than had. I would love to, and I know I've spoken to you about this previously, but even doing a, a remake of an old pack that people love, like a 1970s, whatever, right? I mean, the, the thing with sports and baseball. Dude, 1952 cards, tops cards would be amazing, right? It would just be ridiculous. Yeah, we make those really limited, right? And we could do like, I mean, the thing for them is, I just think it would be so cool to bring those old digital cards. It's not like we're competing with the physical cards, right? So I don't see any like conflict there. Um, and it I'm could thinking- be all stars. It could just be tops all stars, right? They release 40 cards. So you can get your Mickey Mantle and your Stan Musial and your Joe DiMaggio, right? All of these, George Brett, and there'd be just series of all-stars. And now every time you open a pack, 
you're getting somebody who you know is yeah. beloved in oh, baseball. Yeah. Top the top 82 of those sets. And then you do the same thing with the sketch and the prism or stars or whatever. Yeah, and we could even use the original like artwork. Um to the back, you flip the back over, it's exactly the same. It's, then you have those extra rarity levels on top of that. And then and then you make a then you make a collectible golden atom bomb next time instead of rock and robbers. <laughs> this is um, some interesting data right here, by the way, fellas. Looking at um, the stats from Wax Data Analytics, the trades on GPK market and simple market since the launch have surpassed six million wax, which is about two hundred and ten thousand dollars. Jesus. So the secondary market has produced twice as much volume as the initial sale in one week. In one week. Wow. That's- well, I know for a fact that it's more than that because there's another alcohol. I don't even want to say the name, um, but there is a, was an exchange that was doing spot exchange. It literally looks like an exchange, but for packs because they are technically fungible tokens. So that I know accounts for like another. Hundred thousand. So we're over. And then you've got eBay, right? People selling them there. <laughs> yeah, I, no idea why, but it's been like there's like ten pages on eBay. So like I, you know, I for the guys who just that's what they know, and the real like old school collectors, then they just go to what they know, and they're like, yeah, I'll send it to you. It's like, yeah, and I don't know. Yeah. Send me a shitload, and maybe I'll send you the digital card. Right. Maybe I won't. Yeah. Well, you know, people don't want to ruin their reputation on eBay. They spend a lot of time. You know, for the most part, building up their reputation. They're not gonna. They're not gonna ruin it for a hundred dollars. For the most right. part, most people won't. You know, I mean, some people have spent years, decade or more building out there. Yeah. Uh, well, dude, this is uh, this has been great. Thanks for coming on and, and sharing your perspective from inside wax. Um, and we're looking forward to seeing what you guys come up with next. And if yeah. uh, if we have our druthers, and we do like our druthers. Uh, we're hoping to participate in some new and innovative ways. Yes, you are. I'm excited for all of it. Um, yeah. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. Always fun talking with you. Well, you know, one thing before we go, one thing I did notice is that whenever these dropped, Wax Tokens was like three cents, a little under three cents or so. And I've seen it spike as almost as four cents. But the volume, it looks like the volume of Wax has just skyrocketed over the course of this last week. And that, to me, is a pretty good telltale sign that people are liking these collectibles. They like the experience of it. They're enjoying it. They enjoy the community of it. And it looks like that the wax token price is looks like it's going to be a beneficiary of that. So great job on all fronts. Yeah, that would be something. Somebody actually doing something meaningful in crypto and reflecting in the, uh, the token price. Uh, I, look, I, I won't even comment on that, but it's certainly never bad news. So. Well, you already did, and we appreciate it. (laughs) So thanks, Evan. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Talk to you later. Some big news coming up there uh, from Tops on the Wax blockchain. And be sure to subscribe to our new show covering digital collectibles. It's called The Nifty Show, theniftyshow.com. And you could find it now on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and I believe we're on Spotify now as well. So please go subscribe to that. And let's do a quick catch up with our friends at Splinterlands. And we're happy to welcome back Mr. Blair Reich with Splinterlands. Once Splinterlands.io, did you guys get the .com now? Yeah, we're Splinterlands.com. But you're still, the IO still works for those who have the... Yeah, the just more Splinterlands.com. 
Yeah, this is uh, one of the collectible trading card games on blockchain that is not only persisting, but is thriving and growing. Uh, we were glad to have you guys at Virtual Blockchain Week. And maybe you can kind of give us a quick update because I understand you guys are, are packing up and moving. Yeah, this has been this has just been a crazy series of events. I mean, it's kind of like truth is stranger than fiction to us. So we we the lat like there were a lot of last draws and uh the hive and steam drama has been really high and it's been high for a while you know uh, steam is a blockchain most people recognize the primary app on it which is steamit.com as a blogging platform where you post and earn and we built our game as a layer two on the steam blockchain well when justin sun purchased it he started he started with all these crazy ideas and he was going to like basically kill the blockchain and make it a side chain on Tron. And so there were all these contentious things that happened and the hive blockchain was formed. It's a fork of steam and, you know, nearly all the, the previous block producers left steam to go to hive and for some technical reasons and some political reasons and some, just a, a bunch of various challenges. We didn't, we weren't moving right away. Uh, we were certainly looking into it for a while, but in the last three days or so, there was a surprise hard fork that's happened on the Steam blockchain. And as a business trying to operate on a chain, what we need is stable and we need public open source code and we need time to review things. And already there, like for the past two months, it seems like every other block has had a, a series of micro forks. And it's been really a challenge to go operate there. And we we both threw up our hands and said, this is just, there's nothing we can do. This is completely unsustainable as a, as a business decision to, to operate here at all. And, uh, and it, it's challenging because there's a lot of our players that say, that we, we, have, we have cranky players no matter what we do and excited players no matter what we do. We have a, a, a chunk that says, if you stay on Steam, I'll quit. There's a chunk that say, if you move to Hive, I'll quit. And some are saying, you guys should really go start your own blockchain. Right. Um, and that new blockchain or going to like a completely different thing, like Wax or EOS or who knows what, or Ethereum, like that could be exciting and fun or something. But, you know, we want to develop our game and really focus on that. that like we just got uh, DAP Radar just listed Steam and Hive, and we became the number one app on DAP Radar. And oh, what, congratulations! Oh, thank you. I'm I'm so stoked about this. Um, and what what I want to do is focus on building our game and and just make this as uh, exciting and really try to crack into the mainstream. I mean, it's great that we are the number one game or really the number one DAP in crypto, but that's that's not that's not the goal. The goal is to be like a mainstream game, a mainstream uh, recognizable name brand. And we got we got a ton of work to do to get there. It's great to be number one in crypto. We're stoked and excited. But anyways, all the uh, so with all this drama, we said we just can't do this anymore. And so we're going to have to move. Uh, and we put that post out. And it, you know, it's like within 15 minutes or so of like the as soon as as soon as it was clear that this hard fork was coming, we and, and it was just a surprise hard fork. I mean, like surprise hard fork are two words that should never go together and, right. and as a business it's it's just totally unsustainable and and on top of that we didn't like the content when we found out what was in that 
that hard fork, we said, no, this is this is pretty unacceptable. Hmm. So what are some of the advancements in the game that you guys are working on? Because I know you guys have done a lot of really interesting things. You had a you how many series have you have and and maybe what are some of the upcoming things that folks can expect from Splinterlands aside from the hard fork and the forkiness and the hive and the seam is. Yeah, so so just to just to give a, a high level, uh, Splinterlands is a trading card game, and we use blockchain, and that gives us some advantages over uh, traditional games and even digital games. So with like traditional games, you own the physical card, which is awesome because you could trade it and all this. Uh, but it was inconvenient because you could only trade or play when your brother's awake or the store's open. With the digital games, they're online, and so you can kind of like play whenever you want, but they really don't like your ability to trade. You know, you go farm gold and World of Warcraft and sell it, they boot you off the platform. Mm. But with us, we said, you know, by using blockchain and, and really respecting property rights, we allow for players to uh, play anytime. So you get the convenience of the digital games. You can trade anytime. So it's like the physical games. Uh, and then we also unlock this ability to earn every win. So, you know, there's season rewards, there's daily quests that we've given out more than $100,000 in tournaments. And so that's sort of the basis of the game. It's like a three minute game that you can play. There is a mobile ready site. The apps are coming soon. So the mobile app is kind of a big one for us. We always have a lot of things going on. So we the tournament format right now is like a bracket style and everybody has to sit down at the same time and play the matches and go through and it can take up to like two hours if you're going to win the whole thing and that seems kind of long so what we did is we made it uh we call them anytime tournaments you can sit down make all your matches uh and then have that tournament play out and it's a much faster experience but now that we can do that that can also be the basis for guild tournaments that could be the basis for boss fights. Uh, so those things are coming. And then one other major piece is that we're building a empire building game where you buy land and you can put upgrades on this land and uh, use your land and your upgrades to make NFTs that exist and are playable in our game that right now we have summoners and monsters and your lands will allow you to cast items and spells. Uh, which we will not sell directly. That's for the players to make. So we think, you know, between the guild fights and the guild tournaments and the boss fights and you being able to make your own cards and already being the the biggest the biggest dap in crypto, we're excited. You know, I'm um, I've been following all these trading card games and watched. You know, you guys build this from the beginning. And what I think is really cool is that one of your competitors got some serious investment money, and they're not anywhere near the success that that you're having. And so, congratulations on that. You know, we're yeah. the underdog here. Yeah, we 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 did this as two dudes in a in a restaurant out of Philly, right? right. Like we're. We're, did you have a cheesesteak while you were planning? Uh, I'm, I happen to be a vegetarian, so I did not. But uh, you had a what is it? The magic meat burger, you know? Oh, the, no, no, almost. beyond <laughs> really. That stuff is beyond edible. Hey, uh, is there anything special that um, we can do for bad crypto listeners so they can get into the game? Yeah, th- no, we, I'd, I'd really like to go support your listeners and get them playing. There are a right now you guys are in possession of uh, a number of codes. I think the plan is to give 50 of these out during this interview. Um, there's a form that you can go fill out and the uh, the first 50 people to go fill out that form are going to get a uh, an account upgrade. 
So on the game, it's like free to play and you can come in. Um, but until you've upgraded your account, we call it the Summoner Spellbook, you can't earn crypto. So it's a free experience, but you know we're it's crypto. So we try not to let a million bots come in here for free. We want at least some barrier to entry. So uh, normally it costs 10 bucks to, to upgrade your account so it can earn, but these accounts that you have uh, make that free to do so. Awesome. So here's where you guys go. Be one of the first 50 badco.in forward slash splinter badco.in forward slash splinter, not schwinkter, but splinter. Cause it's not. Schwinkter lands is a totally different game. <laughs> oh, we just went there. Hey, Blair, <laughs> congratulations, man. It's looking great. And I uh, hope to see you guys really break into the mainstream. That'd be exciting. Yeah, I, I think it's our time. You know, the we, we just we're on a blockchain that can scale. We have a big community because of the blogging aspect. They're constantly talking about us. You know, I, I think we have strong sales and we have a, a lot of rewards that go out to players. This is I, I couldn't ask. And, and now with the Bitcoin having kind of at our tail, I just I just think that there's so much coming that uh, that makes me really excited for this. The Bitcoin having at the tail, wouldn't that be back to Schwinkterlands? <laughs> you guys are awesome thanks man <laughs> yeah. at splinterlands.com splinterlands.com again badco.in forward slash splinter to get one of the be one of the first 50 to get the free upgrade from these guys check it out lots of interesting things happening in the world of nfts digital collectibles non-fungible tokens it's taken us by storm. We're doing some really fun stuff with this. We really like the digital collectible space because you can own it and you can't be looted. You can't steal them away from you. You got them. It's on the blockchain. So maybe that's where all things should go. Perhaps so. Uh, Travis, I got some exciting news. I, I'm getting my first post-corona haircut tomorrow. Oh, nice. Congratulations. Yeah. Much needed. I have some serious corona. I shaved. So did you I, did you put the picture of you with the mustache up anywhere? Yeah, it's on Instagram and on uh, Karma and uh, Rebuzz. Whenever okay. I post on Instagram, I always make sure that I post on Rebuzz and Karma as well because those are decentralized, um, blockchain based social media platforms, and I earn tokens every time I post. I earn. I love claiming my Karma and my Rebuzz. Mm -hmm. So uh, shout outs to uh, Dallas Rushing for Karma and to Adam Barlam for uh, rebuzz which by the way karma is coming out on desktop soon dallas Very sent nice. me a message and said he will notify me when but you'll soon be able to uh, get good karma yeah we're on wax yeah they're on wax that is correct Very good. another cool one is uptrend uptrend is i'm doing some stuff they're one of the largest decentralized uh, blockchain social media sites i've been doing a little bit more stuff on on uptrend as well and um and downtrend. I'm a really big fan of downtrend. And, and, and I still, we're playing around with voice, waiting for some news to come out from them. And when we have that, we'll do an updated episode of EOS Voice News. That podcast is still up. So, Travis, we're doing three shows right now that are blockchain-based. Bad Crypto Podcast, EOS Voice News, and The Nifty Show. How spiffy is that, folks? It's we're bringing you all kinds of content. Now, the voice one happens sporadically. I mean, since June of last year, we've done, what, five or six shows? So once every couple of months, because really there hasn't been a whole lot of news surrounding that one. Um, but, um, yeah, this Nifty show, we're going to be doing this one every single Friday, talking about all things in the NFT world. And uh, there were some big NFTs that got launched this week at some big prices. So 
that episode, those episodes will probably be a little bit shorter, a little smaller, but um, fun nonetheless, and very informative and hilarious as usual. Yeah, and live, you know, we're, so we're doing those live on video because there's a lot of visuals. You can go subscribe to the podcast and hear the audio version, but then we're like, here, look at this, and you're going to be like in your mind's eye. You know, what? What is that? So check us out live on a Theta TV, and we had some problems with it for the initial launch, but I've got it figured out. So if you go to nifty.show forward slash Theta, and that's going to take place on Friday, 5 o'clock Eastern time, which is 2 o'clock Pacific time, and something else if you're in Australia or Germany or India or somewhere else in the world. You have to figure out times, you know, on your own time clock, because what, what do I look like, the world clock? You do. I'm not. <laughs> not at all Great stuff. we appreciate you folks thank you so much for tuning in and listening to bad crypto and stay safe out there and stay bad who's bad the bad crypto podcast is a production of bad crypto llc the content of the show the videos and the website is provided for educational informational and entertainment purposes only it's not intended to be and does not constitute financial investment or trading advice of any kind you shouldn't make any decisions as to finances investing trading or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor please understand that the trading of bitcoins and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.